0: My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. Happy 2024, everyone, and welcome to the start of a new year together. Let's make this one the biggest yet. My guest this week is a former U.S. Navy SEAL purged by Biden, who's seeking to take back the West for Christ. He's also one of the veterans featured in the outstanding new documentary series, Seals Beat Biden. From the Republic Sentinel, please welcome Asa Miller. You are the Renaissance. What would you do if the people you gave your life to suddenly turned on you? Meaning, what if you had pledged your life, your very blood, to an organization expecting to be enlisted as a defender against threats, only to discover that the organization considered you the threat? I can tell you what would happen to me. First, I'd experience some cognitive dissonance. Wait, me? We're on the same team, Surely you must be joking. But then when the reality set in that I had become the danger to defend against because of something invisible in my bloodstream, the color of my skin, or even my religion, I'd have to make a choice. And to avoid any dramatic or rhetorical flourishes, this is the nature of the choice. First, to agree with the organization that I have become the threat, and do whatever they say to no longer be that threat, or to trust my gut, to disagree, to dissent, and thereby become the threat that they believe me to be, and perhaps do so, alone. But here's the thing. The men who make this choice are never alone. Not really. Which brings me to my guest this week. His name is Asa Miller, and he's a former U.S. Navy SEAL who knows about the scenario I described firsthand. Because he resisted the Biden administration's COVID vaccine mandate, standing up for what he believes in, God and country, against an officer corps that sold itself out to the regime. And Asa paid the price for it, being purged from a military that has determined that its best warfighters are themselves enemy combatants, simply because they represent the other side in a clearly Marxist ideological battle. Welcome to 2024, ladies and gentlemen. Expect more of this. But as I said, there's good news. Asa is one of the veterans featured in the new documentary series, Seals Beat Biden, which is available now at the link in the description, free in exchange for an email address. I recommend it. Not only does it feature Asa, but also many members of Apologia Church, including Pastor Jeff Durbin and others. The documentary tells a gripping story, full of heart and real-world stakes. These were the men and women fighting the battles some of us were only reading about, Maybe it wasn't overseas like he intended, but it seems that ASA still found his way onto the front lines. In our conversation, we discussed the onset of the COVID crisis, inside the military during COVID, the Christian purge of the military, ASA's shift from soldier to media figure, the military impacts of the vaccine, and finally, the erasure of the meritocracy. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you and thank you for joining me in 2024. This is going to be a big year for the show, with many new developments I'm thrilled about. To show people that you were a fan before it was cool, you can leave a 5-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or a 5-star rating on Spotify. Plus, share this episode or another one of your favorites with a friend. Also, you can now rep the Renaissance of Men by wearing my first official Renaissance of Men t-shirt available now at sourcechristianapparel.com. I'm super proud of this shirt, which features a quote from Proverbs, The Righteous Will Never Be Shaken. I got my own shirt just a couple days ago, and I love it. The design looks great, and the shirt fits well and is super soft. Also, I confess a bit of excitement to wear my own merchandise. Guys, I kind of feel like I made it. But what I'm most proud of is that Source Christian Apparel is run by two faithful Christian wives. Julia and Anna, who abandon their careers to stay at home and support their husbands, building a home based business to support their family's estate. This is an enormous leap of godly courage, love, and trust, and I celebrate it. But more than celebrating it, I want to support it, which is why we work together with the elite designer, Todd Van Fleet, to produce this shirt in a limited run and sell it exclusively through Source. You can get your own shirt by going to Source Christian Apparel right now or hit the link in the description. Again, visit Source Christian Apparel to get this limited run righteous shirt, because when it's gone, it's gone. And thanks to Julia and Anna for helping show the great reconciliation in action. And please welcome this week's guest on the podcast, a former Navy SEAL featured in the new documentary series, Seals Beat Biden, Asa Miller. Asa, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast
1: absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: I just want to say, um, thank you so much for your contributions to the film seals beat Biden. I remember, um, you know, 2024 is, is coming up. We're recording this a couple of days, uh, before new year's. And, uh, I'll, my friends and I were talking last night about how 2024 feels like it's going to be a repeat of 2020, but a higher level of intensity almost. And so, uh, seeing the film and remembering all those, all those heavy days, um, took me back. And so I appreciated you standing up for the things that you believe in and how boldly you spoke in the film.
1: Yeah, it was, it was my pleasure, not at the time, but (laughs) since then, I'm glad that we glad that we had the team we had to fight.
0: Yeah. So, um, can you take us back into, I think you said in the film that you were in Djibouti in Africa when all this sort of started coming down, maybe can you take us a little bit back into, into some of those early moments when, when the first uh, dawning, worry started to surface of what was going on?
1: Yeah, so I was in when COVID started, I was in my workup It's basically the way the SEAL teams work is you have a two year workup. So for 18 months, you're training and then the last six months of the two years, you go on deployment and then it's just rinse and repeat. Um, so when COVID started, when the first shutdowns happened and everything, I was finishing up that workup and I had about six months before deployment. So that was when, you know, everyone just kind of got the stay at home orders, you know, masks came out, the toilet paper was all gone, all that type of stuff. And so, you know, I think everyone was kind of in this space of like, what's going on? No one had any ideas. Um, And and then we had about that six month period to start figuring out what was happening. Things started to return to normal a little bit. And then, or at least we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I shipped out to Africa with my with my uh, group of guys right and my unit and and so we're over there for three months and we're down in southern Somalia you know surrounded by locals on a daily basis I was doing what we call it partner force training um, you know just going out there with the, the partner force you know teaching them a couple things how to shoot how to drive stuff like that you know and these are all you know for lack of a better word like dirty people right they're sleeping on the ground you know we, yeah. we give them their food and stuff but there's no hygiene there's no you know no cleanliness. And, you know, this whole time though, we're fine, right? COVID just becomes an afterthought. You know, it's not a big deal. We're kind of thinking about like, you know, we watch Fox news or CNN a little bit and we're like, Hey, our thing is going to be normal when we get home, who knows? And then we got repositioned to this big Naval base called Djibouti um, when Trump started trying to pull troops home. So he kind of tried to pull out of Syria He started to draw down in Afghanistan and we did the same thing, you know, more or less all the Americans left Somalia and we went to this massive naval base in Djibouti. Um, and then that's when, that's when COVID became a thing again, you know, Hmm. all of a sudden there was social distancing, even though we slept in, you know, uh, we slept in a ship container, um, together, you know, in bunk beds, when we went to the chow hall to eat the big Navy chow hall, we had to sit six feet apart from each other and we couldn't sit across from each other at the table. We had to be staggered and all this silliness. Right. And so all of a sudden we go from like life is normal again. We're out in the wilderness, you know, cowboy ended up to all of a sudden these ridiculous rules. Right. And so that's kind of when some of the, you know, when I, you know, I'm a little contrarian by nature and I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Like this doesn't make any sense. Like I've been sleeping in a bunk bed with this guy for the last three months. Like, I can eat across the table. Right. And so that starts to, that starts to develop for, you know, we'll give it like a month and a half, something like that. And I went down to an outstation in Mogadishu and the rest of my crew, uh, went to another station for a, uh, for a few days. And when they got back, a couple guys popped positive for COVID mm. and, you know, they're mostly asymptomatic. I think one or two guys had the sniffles, you know, down for a day or so still could perform the mission, obviously. Um, But the Djibouti base just freaked out. All the senior military guys, you know, on the regular Navy and our own command freaked out and put everybody in solitary confinement, whether they tested positive or not, for 10 to 14 days, all their food was being brought to them in, you know, little styrofoam containers for breakfast they were eating. I think I say in the documentary, it was like a a boiled egg and a sausage or something like that, you know? And... So while this is all happening, I'm getting sporadic texts as they catch, you know, the last wave of Wi-Fi, you know, saying how horrible this is. And I'm in Mogadishu spearfishing, having a great time um, working <laughs> out. So it, it didn't really affect me. And so to bring this, you know, to answer your question, um, I get back to Djibouti a few weeks before we are supposed to head out home. And the, the guys who just got out solitary are like, dude, like, the you know, rumor is like if you don't get vaccinated, these vaccines are coming out. Okay. If you don't get vaccinated, like you're not gonna be able to get on military aircraft to go home. You might get stuck here in Djibouti. Um, you might have to like extend your deployment with the next, you know, crew coming in. And we're like, what? Like vaccines? Like, why do we need vaccines? Like I've already tested positive twice. I was asymptomatic. Um, like I don't I don't need this to get on an airplane and fly home. I just got on an airplane to fly here. Um mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, like not going to do it. And there's a couple of us who would, had been in Moog and we said no. Um, and but pretty much everyone else in my crew who had just been in the solitary confinement the day the J and J vaccine came out, they went and got it because they just wanted to get home. We had guys who sure. had just got married, babies on the way, stuff like that. Um, so they get it. And, you know, we kind of had this joke like you'll get it. Like as soon as they you know turn you away from the airplane, you're going to get it. And yet, you know, come home just fine, get on the airplane, fly home, no no repercussions. And then we had about a six month um, period between our final deployment and when we ramp up our training again. And I was going to a couple of schools. I went to my, you know, kind of my dream list school. And the whole time there's just like every few weeks they'll be like, hey, like if it if the FDA proves this, would you get it? Or if the if the government mandates it, would you get it? And every time I'm like, no, like there's there's no reason. But I can kind of see the the writing on the wall, right? That, hey, something's something's coming. They really want you to get these vaccines. And so me and a couple other guys, um, a couple Christian guys and a couple guys, one guy, you know, one of my good friends, he had just came to the Lord kind of unrelated, but at that exact time. And thankfully for us, he has a background in sports science and everything. And so he's mm-hmm. really used to reading studies. So we all just started diving into this, you know, scientifically. Through our faith, because with the aborted fetal cell issue and just from, you know, at what point can the government tell me what has to go into my own body? What can be injected yep. into me? Right. And so, you know, do we have bodily autonomy? What it, like? So we started really digging through this for about six months before the mandate ever even came down. Um, but yeah, so I went on a little bit of a longer rant there than that's I intended. Fine. But that's kind of the that's kind of the build up to the mandate um, and and through deployment. It just, nothing was making sense and everything seemed arbitrary and, you know, didn't pass the sniff test.
0: I guess the thing that really stands out to me about that is, um, the feeling that I think a lot of civilian Americans, including myself had, which was that when COVID started happening, suddenly we all became the enemy, right? Like you're here, you know, serving the military, serving in the military overseas and you suddenly become, you like an an enlisted man become an an enemy of your own superior officers. Like people get positive and and everyone freaks out. It's like, wait, I thought we were all in this together. Why am I somehow now, you know, why, why am I the opponent inside my own, my own base, I guess. So, I mean, that must've been a really strange feeling.
1: Yeah, it, it is weird. And, you know, there's always a little bit of that uh, rivalry between the enlisted ranks and the officer ranks. So, you know, at first it, you know, maybe it wasn't completely, um, out of the ordinary to be you know being told <laughs> what to do but yeah. um, no I think what I think what it came down to though is our community especially in, in the military you like to be very scientific based right you like to be very logical um, you you want to be very focused on the mission which is to be lethal right to destroy our nation's enemies and protect the homeland and and in, and none of these rules, none of these you know um, orders help that nothing you know they tried to tell us that we were a risk to mission risk to force you know they tried to say that because we had we could get covid that we couldn't accomplish the mission now I was, that I was just telling you we were we were at outstations with guys testing positive and we were totally fine ready right. to work you know and so it was just like wait a minute like you're sitting here you know you know a colonel 06 something like that captain in the navy and you're telling me I can't do my job when I'm I'm doing my job. You're sitting in an office, you're at the Pentagon, you know, and yet I'm I'm deployed, mm-hmm. I'm doing my job. What do you mean? I'm a risk of force. What do you mean? I can't complete the tasks that I'm, I'm, you know, my nation requires of me. So that, that was when sort of that, like, wait a minute, like, how, how can you tell me <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like the salesman out there, you know, in the streets making sales and, you know, the CEO calls and it's like, everybody's got to come back to the office. You guys aren't doing your job. And it's like, no, I'm closing deals. Like, what do you mean? Right. You're not out here with me. Um, so that's definitely that got very confusing very fast.
0: So was it was the feeling that you were getting that that there was like genuine fear on their part or was it feeling politically motivated or, or what was what was the what was the gut sense of what was going on there at the time? I mean, maybe different, different, different officers, you would get a different feel from.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, some people I mean, it's just like anything. It, today, they're the kind of the useful idiots who just go along to get along. And then they are the people who you can tell have an agenda. And then in the middle, there's kind of those, those guys who are, they don't know how to do the research. Maybe they don't want to do the research. So they are a little, you know, fearful, especially with every, you know, all the mixed messages going on around COVID at the time. So it was kind of a broad spectrum, but I mean, I'll give you one example. We had our chief medical officer for all of the East coast base seals, which is about 50% of the force. He came in, he's an 06 at the time, he came in and he told us candidly in person, um, he told us that if he was a civilian, he would not get this vaccine because he thought it was dangerous and he thought that at, at best, he thought there was no data to back it up. And this is our chief medical officer who's coming in and then he, you know, he follows all that up agreeing with all the points we've laid out, all, you know, the data and he comes out and he's like, yeah, I agree with you but you have to do it anyway because somebody else told me to tell you (laughs) to do that. And it's just like, wait a minute. Like, yeah, but I mean, even at the time the Scandinavian (laughs) countries had already paused vaccinations for, I believe it was, I think it was uh, 18 to 25 or 32 year old males because of the issues with cardiovascular um, health. And here we are all 18 to 32 year old males. (laughs) And we're like, wait, you're trying to vaccinate the entire United States military, the entire SEAL community the entire nation and we have threats in China and Iran and North Korea and all, you know, all these places. And you're trying to experiment because that's what this ultimately was. It was an experimental vaccine drug. Um, You're trying to experiment on the entire military when other countries have already identified that the most at risk personnel for the gene therapy are 18 to 32 year old males who is the backbone of the United States military. And so that was just like, it's so to answer your question. It was definitely a lot at, at the higher levels. It was very political um, from a vaccine standpoint, and then also as soon as the Biden administration came in, while we were on deployment as well, um, we actually had to go through mandatory white uh, white privilege training, where you know oh. we had to sit down and get briefed on how you know we were born white, so that you know we're automatically racist and we have things better off than everybody else, and you're just sitting here like, wait a minute. Like, I thought we didn't judge people on the color of their skin. I thought, you know, so the politics can't be taken out of this, unfortunately. And, and there's so much more to it than politics, but they can't be separated.
0: So watching some of these things unfold from the outside at the time, I remember having these thoughts um, that that must be what you guys are going through. But hearing you describe it from the inside is, is in a way so much more disappointing and sad and, and terrifying because you get a sense that this is what's going on inside the military. And of course, you know, as Americans are concerned about the well-being of the military, you know, and their ability to fulfill their mission, but then to be again, treated as the enemy by your own government that you're serving because you have some, you know, some magical asymptomatic disease that might kill you without symptoms. And you have to take this gene therapy and then you're being, and then you're being persecuted actively for the color of your skin, like up close and to, to actually hear it is, is, um, That's tough to hear, but I mean, important to hear, but like, wow, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it extends even beyond too. an important thing to bring (laughs) in, which I know you'll appreciate is, is the religious side. So not only is it you know political, not only is it, you know, medical and health, but it's also religiously. I mean, uh, recently there was, um, a VA hospital just took out the Bible from the, you know, the, uh, uh, one of their mo- memorials to fallen soldiers, they took the Bible out, um, and and it's not. I don't think it was. It's by design that so many of the people who resisted the vaccine were told by senior leadership to put in religious exemptions, and then those religious exemptions were then blanket denied almost to a man. Um, and it, it's it's a it's a purge, is what it is. They want to get rid mm. of white people for some reason. They want to get mm. rid of politically conservative or at least just common sense people who would think for themselves and make a decision um based on common sense and they want to get rid of christians um, and and that's what we're seeing to this day
0: well there there it is right that, that's the that is the inevitable conclusion of what's of what's going on again that's that's my own speculations but again experiencing it firsthand within the military is like yeah this is this is what i personally experience. it's not a report that I read on some website somewhere like this is, this is your, your experience. Um, so you do think it is, it is ultimately a purge? Because I know that people debate whether it's a purge or whether it's an attempt to all-out collapse the military, perhaps. Maybe, maybe the two are the same thing.
1: Yeah, well, I think they are the same thing in, in one way or the other. I mean, whether or not it's actually an attempt to you know destroy our nation from a sense of trying to take it over... Um, like from an outside force, uh, you know, I'm not really there, but I will say you need them there in the military. You need a certain amount of rules and regulations and good order and discipline, right? Especially in conventional large forces where you have tens of thousands of troops who, you know, are being moved across the battlefield. Like you need some order and regularity. Um, However, warfare is changing and so much of war now is either, you know, Cyber or drone strikes or special operations, and in order to be a special operator, whether you know you're in the community or you're attached to it, supporting it, um, you have to be able to make decisions on the fly, right? You have to be mm-hmm. trusted to at the lowest possible level. You have to delegate authority. That's what's taught. That's not just me saying this. This is what's taught. You know, in all the military doctrines, small unit tactics, you have to delegate authority to the lowest common you know denominator, so that. Um, those individuals can make that decision in the heat of the moment, because sometimes you won't have communication back to the general or whatever, you know? And yet, so while that is, while warfare is moving more and more towards small units who can be trusted to make, you know, game time decisions, you're also getting rid of all the people who can be trusted to have the integrity and common sense to make those decisions. So, you know, is it a collapse of the military? I mean, maybe as an institution, it'll be a visible institution, but of the people on the ground who can actually make and be trusted to make ethical decisions, moral decisions, decisive decisions. Yeah, I mean, that those days are they're not gone, but they're headed that way.
0: So in the documentary, uh, I think you, you said they called was, did they call Christianity a rattlesnake religion. Was that was that what they called it?
1: Yeah, you know, so a bunch of the guys went into this meeting, um, and I was actually working somewhere else at the time. I was, I didn't make it to that meeting and our two master chiefs, which are the senior enlisted rank in, in the Navy as a whole. And then they, it was, one was the current, um, senior enlisted, um, advisors, what we call them sort of for the, uh, for the command for all the East coast seals. And the other one was the incoming, um, the soon to be, you know, to replace the the current and and they came in just super upset and they you know one of the one of the things they said was we don't want to hear about your rattlesnake religions and you know I don't think okay. that he he knew much about what he was talking <laughs> so you know he didn't expound on what he was talking about but probably ninety eight percent of the people in that room were Christians so I mean there's no you know there's no Nordic you know Nordic Religious people, no Jedi's in the room. I don't know what kind of rattlesnake religions he could have been talking about if it wasn't Christianity. Um, but yeah they they didn't want to hear they didn't want to hear about our religious accommodations. Basically, is what he was getting towards.
0: When you came in when you came into the military, did you find that it had a, a more amenable posture towards religion in general? Was that a shift, or was was it generally you know inside special forces and inside the military was religion laughed at, mocked? Or was this a big shift in the in the attitude that you felt towards religion?
1: No, I th- I think it was a shift. And beforehand, and, and this is honestly a knock on myself too. And, and a lot of my friends, we've identified this is there was actually a huge group of Christians um, in my platoon, um, which is kind of the smallest level unit that you know you you operate in. And then also you know at my SEAL team and around the community and the military at large, there are a lot of Christians in the military. Um, in my personal kind of group of guys. I think it was very individualistic. Like, I think everyone knew I was a Christian. I think, you know, I knew who a lot of the Christians were. You know, we would maybe go to, you know, church on, you know, Sunday morning on deployment together, you know, every other week or something like that. But it, not by force, but just by choice, which is, again, a knock on us mm-hmm. that we kind of, we are just, hey, I'll read my Bible in the morning and that's, that's it. Um, but no one really, like, puts you down for it. Um, the culture can definitely be, Kind of non-permissible for Christian values, so that was something that you have to struggle through. Um, But it wasn't like a persecution by any means. And then um, when the religious accommodations started coming out, when people started applying for them, that's when you saw a huge push from senior leadership. Um, And in fact, you know, David Yance even talks about it in our in the documentary. He talks about how chaplains were instructed given kind of a question sheet to lead people away from religion and try to picket them into this you know try to pin them in a corner of just being political mm-hmm. just because you're a conservative christian means that it's you know it's all political your religious beliefs aren't actually that sincere um so that's that the shift really happened i think christians as a whole in culture have been um have been kind of individualistic kind of kept it to ourselves And Mm -hmm. that has allowed um, kind of this, it allowed the groundwork to be laid so that when push came to shove, they had, you know, they had the levers in place to pull to, to persecute us
0: really. Mm, That's yeah. It's funny that you say that because I um, recorded a podcast that was kind of about that just yesterday. It'll be out the week before everyone listens to this one about how it seems to me coming into Christianity at this stage of my life that for the past, I don't know, say 50 or so years, most of Christian culture production has been inward-facing, Christians speaking to Christians about Christian things, not Christians speaking to the broader American culture about Christian things, not preaching and proclaiming the gospel. It's like, we'll just keep this to ourselves. And that, uh, that approach, you know, whatever motivated it, whether it was fear or pietism or who knows, right? I wasn't around for it did allow all of these anti-Christian, non-Christian, and and ultimately anti-Christian values to spread that Christians now find themselves embedded in and that have turned on them.
1: Yeah, and and it's so unfortunate. And I mean, this is one of the reasons of Seals Beat Biden, the kind of the goal this first episode has been very heavy on the vaccine, kind of the backstory. But the next two episodes, I'm really excited for them to come out in the next few weeks over the next month or so is it, sh- it kind of starts making the connection to, okay, this this was the vaccine problem. This is the backstory. And now this is where the military is headed. And this is also how it connects to society as a whole. And kind of as you're talking about, you know, the church being so individualistic and not, you know, hey, we'll do Christian things inside the church and then we go home and then it's the rest of, you know, secular society or whatever, um, which is a myth. But we I fell into that trap, absolutely, until the last few years. Um, and this kind of, forced me to come out of that and open my eyes and see but i mean y- you see the the trend in the military is going all left wing ideological um, it's just a, it's a huge shift and so for example I'll, I'll give you an example general milley the former joint chief chair uh, the joint the chairman of the joint chief of staff um, the former he tried to say that the existential threat to america is climate change which is this religion of the left, right? I mean, yep. sea levels are supposed to rise 0.1 inches over 100 years or something. Bill Gates, you know, the backer of all this stuff, he's building mansions on the beach in Miami, you know, and yet our, our global threat, the, the thing that could destroy America is climate change, who, you know, left-wing radicals, you know, bow down to and worship like it's a god, you know, um, nature, yes. you know, Queen Gaia. Um, and, yep. and then we also have abortion, Uh, which for the longest time, Tommy Tuberville was holding the line super strongly in the Senate on, on stopping promotions from automatically being kind of approved over the abortion issue, which, you know, the, the DOD has been circumnavigating um, federal law, which prohibits the funding of abortions by giving people extra, giving service members free leave to go across state lines. If the state they're in restricts abortion, paying them, for their travel, reimbursing them for their travel and giving them extra leave to go across state lines and abort their children. And so you ask, you know, and so you got this climate change push, you got this abortion push, you got transgender surgeries, people getting free genital mutilation in the military, getting to stay in deployable billets, but not deploy, not do their job. Um, So you see this massive shift that's you can't call it secular anymore. I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. pagan is what it is. Right. And, and it's because Christians have so removed ourselves and we're so afraid and especially, you know, Christian political, you know, um, conservative politicians we're so afraid to declare Christ as Lord. Right. We're so afraid to say, Hey, no, like we have a a standard, the, the word of God and we have to follow along with this, um, and and because we've gotten so far away from that in our politics and our society and our military, we have no standard left to hold people accountable. And so, Sealsby Biden, the long-winded answer or you know, comment is, Sealsby Biden wants to point to all these different um, aspects of the issue. It's not just a vaccine. It's not just a gene therapy. Um, it's a complete lack of accountability for leadership. It's a complete lack of. Um, Lawfulness by senior military leaders who are finding every way they can to, you know, force medical experimentation illegally on people. They're trying to force abortions on people. They're trying to general, you know, mutilate people's genitals. And as a society, as Christians, first and foremost, we need to lead the charge, but we need to muster, you know, people to our left and right, whether or not they go to church with us and be like, we got to stop this because where does it end? Like they're killing our children right in front of us and we don't care anymore. Um, so kind of the call to action, the goal of this whole thing is just to start, start pointing out all these different facets where we Christians and in the the world have absolutely abandoned common sense and God's, God's law.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for that. It's very, it's very needed. It's very needed. And um, I think the oddest thing, of course, there are many things about this era that are very, is, that are very odd, but, I think the oddest thing is the way that we've built all these institutions to serve humanity. And then the institutions were all captured at certainly at the highest level across the board, every institution, including the military. And then the institutions have turned on humanity. And so you have the com- common people, you know, very much in opposition to what these institutions are doing. And you experience that inside the military. We have the enlisted men sort of against the officers. The officers are promoting what Jen does, plural. That are completely contrary to the values of the enlisted men, and essentially blackmailing them with different, different forms of, of punishment. And you have the whole capitulation dynamic, like, okay, I'll just get it just to get along and go along. And it's it's very, um, it's very troubling. It's very it's very troubling. And to hear the way that Christianity, Christianity's cultural failings have kind of enabled that, um, it's I think it's an important message that people need to hear, especially heading into twenty twenty four.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, everyone says this election is the most important election, right? right. You know, I haven't been through many of them, but I can, you know, the two or three that I've paid attention to in my life, you know, I hear it every time. But that being said, I mean, I just, you look at things from our, from our economy to, you know, every topic we've already hit on and you look at, you know, overseas, we have still the Ukraine war going on, hundreds of thousands of people dying. You look at the Afghanistan withdrawal a few years ago so many people died and i mean women and children are being abused raped mutilated still to this day then you look at the red sea there we're, we we have missiles and drones you know getting shot at comm- commercial ships and we have a lot of problems <laughs> leading up mm-hmm. to this election and i mean i just i i don't want to see america have to actually like everyone blanket across the board suffer before we wake up. Um, and so the the goal is like everyone's feeling the pain right now, but can we use that, the pinpricks that everyone is feeling um, to to wake us up before we we lose it all? Because I, I think it's reversible. I think it's definitely reversible, um, but I don't know how, how much longer it will be reversible um, if mm-hmm. we don't do something about it.
0: So I guess, did you ever expect that you would find yourself, you know, en- enlisting in the military, becoming a special forces operator? Did you ever expect that you would become a, a media figure? Was that ever on your list of, uh, of intended directions for your life? Or has it kind of been a little bit of a surprise?
1: You know, no, definitely not like this. I'll say that, um, you know, if you talk to my friends and family, like I've always been, I've always liked politics. I've always liked, mm-hmm. you know, that type of stuff. Um, and my dad was, you know, very, and in, uh, not involved, but very passionate, I guess, growing up. Um, so I always saw myself maybe delving into it one way or the other, but definitely not going on podcasts. And, you know, I've been on Epic News one time, and that was so crazy for me. I got, you know, five minutes on on TV. Um, so it was, not, it was not my plan by any means. And, you know, actually, when we started this, I wanted to do 20 years in, in the military. My dad did 27 mm-hmm. years in the Marine Corps, I wanted, you know, I joined at 18, I could have retired at 39 and, you know, had a pension the rest of my life and kind of dabbled in whatever I wanted to. Um, so that was very much my goal. And when this whole thing started and we started pushing back, you know, we had opportunities to go on Tucker and, um, and Sean Hannity. In fact, Hannity didn't, didn't air our story because he wanted to have one of us seals go on there. Mm. And we told him no. And we told Tucker, no, um, even though it would have caused a massive firestorm in the media, I'm sure we could have fundraised like crazy. And, but we said no, because we all, we were all hoping that we could stop the mandate and then go back to work. Um, Oh, wow. And, and so we didn't want to reveal our faces. We didn't want to go public. We just, we wanted to keep doing our job. Right. Um, But so we had our, you know, we had Davis Yance go on, Tucker, thank goodness, and, and that created enough pressure to, you know, after a year-long fight, get Congress to come in and do a little something, which just in the NDAA of last year, they, they basically just ended the mandate, but that was it. They just said, you can no longer mandate, blanket mandate the vaccine, but they didn't do anything to address the 8,500 service members who had already been discharged, many of whom got, you know, either dishonorable discharges. Which is basically making you a felon. You can't own a gun. It makes it very hard to get jobs. A lot of other people got um, different versions of of um, the discharge. Some had to pay back, including one of my friends. He had to pay back, you know, over ten thousand dollars in bonuses because he got kicked out after re-enlisted, uh Reenlisting, and we get large reenlistment bonuses, um, and he gets kicked out before he wanted to be, and now he has to pay all that money back. But Congress hasn't done anything, and the courts haven't done anything to rectify that problem. So to bring it full, full circle, no, I didn't want to be a media figure. You know, I didn't want to be going on all these podcasts, but I saw an opportunity to help fight for those people who had been kicked out, for the 250,000 service members who were threatened with getting kicked out, and the millions of Americans who were in this fight with us. And I had the opportunity to kind of be a voice you know, in my own small way to try and bring some pressure and bring awareness. So that's that's honestly why I'm doing this is because I hope that you know using the connections that we were able to make using you know platforms like yourself which I'm so, so thankful for you bringing me on here we can just start bringing the piece, pieces together and and giving people the you know kind of the little bit of knowledge and the direction to go you know call your senator call your congressman say like hey why why have you done nothing to uh, you know to rectify 8500 people's lives being ruined Plus their wives mm-hmm. and their children, um, so that's why I'm doing this. Um, to be honest with you, it would if I could rewind time, I would, I would stop this from ever happening, and I'd serve 20 years
0: in the in the navy. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely respect um, you stepping into it so boldly, making that shift. You, you must get a lot of uh, emails of support. You know, it must be nice to read those. Like, what is it like hearing from your fellow service members, knowing that like you're the guy speaking up on their behalf?
1: Uh, I, I don't get too many emails to be honest with okay. you. Uh, <laughs> um, I've gotten some support, um, you know, and uh, some comments on Twitter and stuff and that's nice, but it's, it's a very weird thing to be honest with you for a guy like me coming from my community to go public. Um, it's, there's, you know, people know the Jockos of the world, the David Goggins. Sure. Um, but it's not something we kind of pride ourselves in being, we call it silent professionals. Um, we kind of pride ourselves in not going public um with with things and trying to you know monopolize and on on you know our path and so it's and and while I don't think that's what I'm doing and I try to communicate that and clearly and I try to show hey this isn't about me being a seal this isn't about me being in the military or whatever this is about what senior military leadership and, and politicians are doing to ruin the military and I want to make sure that other people, you know, next generation can come through and get to live the life that I did for a bit and wanted mm-hmm. to live. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the message I'm trying to portray. Um, but you know, honestly it kind of goes back and forth sometimes, you know, I've had a few phone calls with some, some buddies who are like, dude, what's going on? Like, why, are you, why are you doing this? Um, and, oh, wow. and so, and, and a lot of, a lot of that was before the documentary aired. So I think as people see the documentary and they kind of see the, the message that we're getting, we're getting at. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll change some opinions, but you know, it's, it's actually, uh, I know, contrary to what you might believe, it's actually a little, it's a little nerve wracking going public because it's kind of frowned upon to be honest with you. Um, So not, not exactly, uh, you know, there's not, there's not the, Emails of support that you might think. <laughs>
0: but, oh, okay. Yeah. That may, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I had heard from I had heard from others that, about the silent professional thing that that it can be looked oddly upon if you ten, if you go public, become a media figure. Um, cer- certainly, though, you get the support of of some of your friends and the people around you for speaking up on behalf of these really challenging issues
1: absolutely and, and there there's a huge group of guys who support i mean all the i mean there are 20 20 other dudes from my my team who a lot of them are actually back at the same team working and and so i i do get some i do get support it's not like i'm a lone ranger out here that's not what i'm trying to say but right, right, right. um it is it is a little bit of a weird it's a little bit of a balancing game i mean obviously you can't please everybody um but the truth is the truth and somebody's got to say it so that's my goal
0: happy new year renaissance of men family are you ready to get after it this year I am. I got up early on New Year's Day, got my workout in, and got straight to work. And I was powered by Reformation Coffee, which was just named the official coffee of Christian nationalism. Why? Because we said so. Reformation is hand-roasted by Pastor Brandon Lansdowne and his family in Springfield, Missouri. They have four signature roasts. India, Ethiopia, Guatemala, and Brazil, all of which I recommend, and they even have a decaf option for people who are still learning how to coffee. But here's the best part. By supporting Reformation Coffee, you are helping build into Christendom by helping a man build godly prosperity and a legacy for his household. Are we seeing a theme for 2024 yet? It's time to put our money where our theology is, brothers and sisters. So head over to ReformationCoffee.com right now and order up some fresh roasted beans because Brandon roasts in three days and ships right away. Plus, when you sign up for regular coffee delivery, use the code SUBFREE to get one free 12-ounce bag on the house. Again, go to ReformationCoffee.com to get your 2024 caffeination. And when you subscribe to regular coffee delivery, Enter the code SUBFREE to get one free bag of coffee. Now's your chance to start taking Dominion of the Year by helping a good man do the same. So I I started attending Apologia Church, I think around the time when you started talking to to Pastor Jeff Durbin, and that he was referencing that he was speaking to Navy SEALs but couldn't couldn't give their names. And so maybe that was all happening around the same time. Are we talking like early 2022, late 2021, something like that?
1: Yeah. So I think it was late 2021. Um, I think it was, it was about September, October timeframe, September, I believe, um, where they, they officially kicked us off of our SEAL team. Um, just my SEAL team in particular, everyone handled it differently across community, across the Navy, across the DOD. Um, but we got kicked out of our, our team basically out of our platoons in September and, we at that point, we were really worried about what to do because we didn't really know about religious exemptions. We didn't know about the medical exemptions and and all that. And we definitely didn't have lawyer friends. And um, so there's pretty much just 21 of us dudes who are like. What do we do? Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so thank goodness, thank God, honestly, uh, one of one of my friends, he had his old pastor from Louisiana was connected um, with the Apologia guys and Through one godsend after another, the Apologia guys knew Zach Lautenschlopfer over at uh, the Sentinel. And he kind of has his toe, you know, in the in the political game. And then um, I forget the exact connections, um, but basically between Apologia, between Zach, um, we were able to pull in a lawyer from um, Bradley Pierce from Texas, who's a constitutional Mm -hmm. lawyer. And then we were able to pull in a, an active duty or a reservist jag um david's younce and so mm-hmm. they all just kind of formed one day to uh to an undisclosed location in virginia beach and we brought in all the guys who were unvaccinated a bunch of our friends who were and were confused about you know what we were doing um friends family all that kind of stuff and we had a, a big meeting for like 12 plus hours i think it was where we, they kind of late we laid out hey this is what we're hearing you know we could potentially get charged with mutiny we could be put in a brig as other people were being put in the brig um we could be dishonorably discharged pay back hundreds of thousands of dollars for the training like these oh, wow. are all the threats that are circulating right now what do we do and then we kind of just you know we had a we had a whiteboard up and we just game plan we just wrote down hey what's going on like what is the solution what are we looking for we want to go to back to work okay like how do we get from, from everything the walls falling in on us to to going back to work? And we just drew out a game plan, um, and and thankfully it, it worked to to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. And so um, one of the big big guys there was was uh, the Apologia staff, and they they gave us a bunch of encouragement. They gave laid out a lot of just kind of theological advice, honestly, on worldview on like, Hey, you know, doctrines of the lesser magistrate was a big thing that I'd never Mm -hmm. heard about, um, all of it. And, and so they were a huge help for us.
0: That's really funny to kind of come full circle for me, because that was when I started attending apologia. And, uh, and and that was when Jeff was talking about, you know, working with the seals about the vaccine mandate. That was how, that was one of the ways that I knew apologia (laughs) was a legit church. It was like, okay, like it was the first time I'd (laughs) ever really attended church before I was, you know, uh, recently baptized new believer in 2020 and Apologia was the first church I ever really attended. And uh, I was like, well, I don't, uh, I know that this church stayed open through COVID. That's a good sign. Yeah, got a pretty <laughs> vocal statement of faith on the website. It's another good sign. And the way that I heard about Apologia was because they were doing an anti-abortion protest at the state Capitol. I'm like, any church that's doing that is a is a legit church. So I'm like, okay, there's some good, there's some green flags here. But then when I heard that he was working with some Navy's unnamed Navy seals on the back on the, religious exemption for the vaccine mandate, I'm like, okay, I think I'm at a good place. So it's yeah. kind of, it's funny to come full circle and, and find that you are one of those seals.
1: Yeah, no, they, that is, that is very interesting. And, and they are a great church. I've been so blessed by them. I haven't yet been mm-hmm. to one of their services yet, but I, I've gotten to know a few of the pastors over the last few years, but that's really interesting. I, I've heard a little bit about your testimony. Um, but I just want to ask you, what, what was that like becoming to Christ in COVID? Did was it did you feel like your morals and values and and worldview just didn't align with what was going on already or was it like a complete 180 shift? Like because you mentioned the abortion thing, but for a new believer, I mean, I know so many believers who or you know, people who profess to be, you know, Christians mm. who are pro-abortion or you know at least think like okay, I wouldn't do it, but they can. So that's just interesting for me to hear like a new believer being maybe passionate about, um, abortion. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but.
0: Oh, sure. Um, I would say that, uh, I, my, my values had already made a big 180 from being, from traveling and being overseas. Like I had already gone from being pretty liberal when I lived in San Francisco to being pretty conservative when I got back to the United States, which real, I mean, you go to, you go to, you've been to Africa, right? You, you kind of yeah. see how the rest of the world lives and you're like, oh, wow, America is pretty great. And we really don't have a whole lot to complain about. So that had shifted a lot of my values. Um, And the big question that was running for me at the start of 2020 was I had explored all these other world religions and I couldn't get a good answer about the existence of evil. Like all these other world religions are all is one. So if all is one, then like evil is also God. Like, how does that make sense? Then how can you say that anything is anything? How can we make any value judgments? And no one would talk to me about that. So it was in early 2020 in February when COVID started happening. I was reading the book Simply Christian by N.T. Wright, which was a gift Mm -hmm. to some of my friends. And he talks about evil in that book. And so I'm reading this book as COVID is starting to happen, the lockdowns are starting to happen. So now I'm seeing evil on the societally uh, wide scale. So by the time I actually, that time in September, I finally got baptized, COVID was actually had actually played into that. Like, oh wow. So now it's not these just academic discussions about. You know, evil, interpersonal evil or even governmental, you know, uh, corruption, now we're looking at what was very clear to me because the vaccine push was very clearly a whole part of that from, from day one. You know, my friends yeah. and I were talking, you know, we're into con- some quote-unquote conspiracy or like what we call, might call future news topics, right? Yeah. Conspiracy <laughs> is just news plus six months, right? So, um, so it was really clear from the beginning that, okay, we can see where this is going, so I saw that already, and so by the time I, I did come into, I did come to Christ. I, all my values were completely aligned by that point, and COVID helped push them there.
1: Interesting. That's that's awesome in a, in a sad way, but it, it, it's <laughs> funny you bring up that traveling the world brought you more or less to Christ, um, or at yeah. least to you know conservative viewpoint. And <clears throat> because it's kind of it's kind of proof for something I've been saying for the last two years is I wish. If you could just—if I had one genie wish, right—it would just be I could take every kid on a college campus, plus or minus like two years, and just take them on a field trip through Africa, and just be like, "Look what you look what other what look at not only what areas of you know the world that don't have Christ are like, but also look at all even if you don't come to Christ. Like, obviously that's my arch goal, but even if you don't come to Christ, like look at the blessings that capitalism and, you know, and America have to offer and stop Mm -hmm. burning it down. Stop throwing bricks through cop cars. Like, do you want to be, you know, going to the bathroom, you know, on the sidewalk outside, which the sidewalk is just the dirt, you know, road. Like that's what so much of the world is like. And that's what living, you know, in a a non-free market, Christian-based Western society world is like. And I wish, I just wish I could, I wish I could just take every kid from, you know, 18 to 25 and just walk him around Africa one time. And, and apparently mm-hmm. it works. It worked for you.
0: <laughs> it did. It did. Oh, yeah. You go and you, you, try, you know, I've been to South America. I've been to, I haven't been to sub-Saharan Africa, but I have been to Morocco, which is in Africa on the continent. I've been to India and Asia and you can get on a plane and fly to India and you will be confronted with like, this is what a lot of the world really is like. There's no tourist yeah. bubble in India. You are confronted with India from the second you get off the plane. Mm. And so you can really see um, what, and you don't have to travel too far out of a place like New Delhi to get a sense of, of what the, of what the rest of the world is like outside of the values of uh, and the prosperity and the peace that has been created by the Christian West. And the thing is many, um, many, Amer- very few Americans have passports because America is an enormous country. Like physically, geographically enormous, and so it's expensive to get to to get to a meaningfully far away distance. You have to cross an ocean basically. Great yeah. for military, strategic advantage, not so good for travel. So a lot of people yeah. just don't have passports. But then when a lot of people do travel, the only place they go to is Europe. They don't go, they don't go to China. They don't go to India. They don't go you know through some of the places of South America. And so they just see, what they believe is a more refined version of America, why can't America be like Paris? It's like, well, because America and Paris are both outgrowths of the same set of philosophies and theology. Go to places where that isn't the case, and you learn real quick that the West has been blessed immeasurably. And now we're yeah. we're squandering it.
1: Yeah. That's very interesting. I actually cool wanted, testimony. It,
0: Thank you. I actually wanted to read, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I wanted to read something that I read in scripture this morning. It's at the end of, um, at the end of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. It's after uh, the Israelites have, have crossed the Jordan and conquered. And uh, Joshua is saying, uh, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. This is chapter 24, verse 13. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities, which you had not built, and you have lived in them. You are eating of vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. And I think there's something, and then of course, you know, this is a warning about, you know, that God's warning, like you're all going to become idolaters. I see it coming already. And I think we see a lot of that, that we, including you and I, and many people are living in a civilization that we didn't build. And naturally, and not to mention people that are being imported into the country, et cetera, but they're living in a civilization that we didn't build. And it's so easy to take that for granted. I think there's a lot of that happening now. Absolutely.
1: And to take it back just real quick to, you know, a microcosm of that, which is the institutions, you talked about the institutions being taken over, whether it's, you know, everyone knows the universities have, but the military, it it makes me think of, we, the military was designed to be a merit based system, right? You can experiment the free market, all of that is out in, you know, the regular society, free society, but the military is strictly what works, what's proven to work. We keep it simple stupid Mm. simple and it's a meritocracy if you are good at your job if you're a good tactician if you're lethal then you get promoted right um and that is the system that we built and you know you just next man up mentality right you go through boot camp everyone goes through it's pretty much the same thing and then you work your way up through through merit basically and yet we have the system that worked and we've brought in all of these You know, college educated to go back and harp a little bit on officers, you know, (laughs) intentionally, (laughs) unintentionally. But, you know, they get a four-year degree, whether it's university, you know, through ROTC, or whether it's, you know, the military academies, which are proven, you know, through studies to be pushing things like CRT and everything else. And you come in four years of college, 22 years, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and now you're in charge of, you know, the 22, 25, 30-year, you know, veteran. And, and you're making the decisions and you're coming into these cities, you're coming into these vineyards that have already been built, you're gifted and what are you going to do with it? Are you going to continue on? Not, you know, stagnant stuck in your ways. You know, I'm not saying the military shouldn't innovate in so- certain ways, but if you're, if you're, if instead of coming into those cities, pre-made cities and vineyards and just, you know, mending them and, you know, watering them and nurturing them, if you come in and you're like, okay, you know, now we're going to do racial quotas because we're, <laughs> You know, we're not, we're so not racist that we're going to be racist against white people. And we're only going to bring in, you know, black people and women to be pilots. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What if, you know, that's not necessarily wrong, but what if the best person for the job, what if the the best pilot would have been, you know, this white guy or, you know, this Asian guy who are also being proven to be discriminated against because of their high test scores, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, if that's the best person for the job and, you know, our duty is to protect and defend like. That's who you want. We don't want to bring in this person who has all the worst test grades, but, you know, they fit the minority stereotype we want to push because now they don't know how to handle the vineyard. They don't know how to handle the city and it falls apart. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we're seeing. That's a perfect verse. I'll have to go read that myself. You said Joshua 24?
0: Yeah, it's at the end of, it's at the end of Joshua 24. It's Joshua 24, literally just read it this morning, actually. 24 yeah. uh, verse verse 13. Yeah, it's, a, it's just, before Joshua, just before Joshua dies. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I, and I think that the, the focus today is not so much like on the vineyards themselves and cultivating them to greater fruitfulness, speaking metaphorically. It's like the real battle that so many people are so fixated on fighting is the, the gender and ethnic makeup of the workers in the olive fields. It seems it's very odd. Like, aren't we supposed to be cultivating prosperity instead of fighting this ideological battle? It's like it's it's taking the you know what it is. It's taking the blessings profoundly for granted. Like, here is this olive field which you didn't plant, and rather than how can we make it bear more fruit, we need to make sure that the right number, the right proportion of workers are the ones tending it, and we'll forget about the fruit. We don't actually need those, and the olive field, you know, it kind of (laughs) rots as a result because we're people are focusing on the wrong war.
1: Yeah. And that's what, I mean, call it thin, call it Marxism, whatever you want. Like that's that's what it is. You have to have, you have to have, um, you know, you have to have your storehouse full. You have to have the money to afford socialism, communism. You have to, you have to build up the vineyards before you can, you know, live off, leech off the built up wealth. Um, to try and implement all these crazy ideologies that um, are going to eventually destroy us and have destroyed everyone else who's ever tried them. Um, and man, it's just, it's so clear and obvious and yet so deceptive to so many people. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know the exact answer and how we stop it, but the best way I can do it is just by talking about it and telling the stories and making the connections.
0: So let's talk about, you know, what some of the men and women listening can do to help the SEALs beat Biden mission, to help you. like What sort of, what sort of action can, can we be taking in our, in our everyday lives, you know, online and off, let's say?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think first and foremost, the beginning of knowledge is fear of the Lord, right? So, I yeah. mean, get in your Bible, read it. I mean, make the connections. Don't just read the words in front of you. Think about them, meditate on them, be like, how does this apply to me today? Um, And and then from there, I think, you know, the two things everyone's been told growing up not to talk about are religion and politics. And I just encourage people talk about religion and politics. Every opportunity you get don't rant about it. Don't you know, don't try to force people things on people, but just talk about it. Because honestly, like all this comes down to common sense. Um, you know, and if you just think about it, if you do a little bit of reading, you know, if you have a question, if you hear something I said, you know, you don't agree with, just Google it for 30 minutes. And I, and I bet you'll find some interesting, um, stuff. And then lastly, like, so my point being gain knowledge, right? Just read the word, read information, not, not news sites. Um, and then as you start to develop these through conversation and, and reading, um, I would just ask you, reach out to your local congressman, reach out to your local state reps, um, find an issue that you're passionate about. A lot of people, you know, apologia, their thing is abortion. Um, and that's a huge topic that we can fight on. Um, for, for me and the guys in the military, we need to be calling and talking to our congressman every day saying, look, there were 8,500 service members illegally discharged because they they've refused to be experimented on. there are 250,000 who are going to get kicked out over their faith. Um, And Congress isn't doing anything to make that right or to prevent it from happening again. And I think that's, what's most scary is, you know, bygones might be bygones, but the future is is still on, you know, hasn't, hasn't happened yet. And it's, and nothing's been done to stop, um, stop these um, issues from coming up again. So we need, we need congressional action. We need state level action and we just need, knowledgeable people so that next time something like this happens it isn't 21 seals stepping up to fight it it's millions of people across the nation and the only way we get there is by people being knowledgeable and fearing god more than man
0: is is anything softening at all given all the you know the people who quote unquote died suddenly and the news coming about out about the vaccine and dna that's in there like there is some real hard mainstream science now i mean not that Mainstream is the authoritative, but the mainstream is acknowledging that the vaccines were dangerous or there were contamination, and you really can't hide the videos of people dropping dead. In fact, like I talked to my health insurance agent uh, a couple weeks ago because I lost my lost my wallet. I found it, but I, I needed to reorder my cards, and he wanted to renew my plan. And he just mentioned offhand, casually. I didn't ask. He's like, "Yeah, you know, ever since COVID." Like so many cancers and different diseases are springing up. Like I didn't bring it up. He just said that the health insurance companies are really struggling with the number with the increase of really dangerous illnesses that appears to have, quote unquote, come out of nowhere. Is that information softening things at all within the military? Like, is that making anything easier or are they still going hard in the paint over this?
1: No, they're still going as hard as they can. Oh my um, and so I've, I got three points I'm going to hit on real fast before I forget. Um, I have some, some stats from, in my notes here. I'll read off. In the military, you were talking to your health insurance. This is stats gathered by one of the whistleblowers from IDCs, which are kind of the hospital, you know, top of the line corpsmen in the, in the Navy. Um, strokes over the past um, year or two, strokes have gone up in the military 43%. Ovarian mm-hmm. dysfunction has gone up 34%. Uh, disseminated intravascular coagulation rare condition that leads to blood clots, has gone up 782%. What? Um, abnormal findings in organs and tissues have gone up 165% over the last two years. Um, slips, trips, falls, 1,096%. And cancer and digestive organs, 26 And then there's a couple other. But testicular and breast cancer, 15%. So, uh, uh, same thing with your your health insurance findings. Like, the military, So we have all these numbers. You know, this is not just mainstream media. Like this is health numbers. You know, going up like crazy. All these issues going up, and yet um, Davis Yance just was fighting a case where they tried to take someone who had submitted a religious exemption, um, had fought the vaccine, um, didn't have to get it. They tried to position. They had tried to station them in a billet overseas in a country that was requiring the COVID vaccine, and so now he's getting court-martialed again to try and force them to get the COVID vaccine when they could easily have picked one of the, you know, 90 something percent of the military who has the COVID vaccine, they could have easily picked them and sent them to that billet. They specifically chose this unvaccinated person to try and continue to persecute them. Um, So yes, they're still going hard in the paint. Um, And then I I forget my third topic I was going to bring up on that, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And so another action step you could do, Davis, Yance, he has, Um, repurposed the uh the nonprofit we use to fundraise for our own legal defense called stand with warriors and he's repurposing it to kind of be a proactive um not only legal defense group but also kind of a training and and community um group as well so they're going around um getting with right now it's mostly focused on the seals who you know We already know him and have worked with him, but the goal is to spread out the organization to the entire military and federal agencies to give them, you know, a kind of a membership basically. So that if they get persecuted, whether it's, you know, they turn down someone asking for, you know, to get paid to go abort their child or whether they, you know, turn, someone turns down a transgender surgery or whether someone just gets a religious exemption denied in the future, he wants to be ready. Um, um, with the not only the funds but kind of the defense preset to to keep Christians and, and common sense individuals um, keep them free. And so mm-hmm. I would ask people who are listening to this go check out uh, Stand With Warriors. And if you feel moved or called, you know, donate to him and, and at least follow him and keep keep track of what's going on because he's the guy who's kind of on the forefront of all these um, legal issues in the military.
0: I interviewed him. Uh, I interviewed him on the podcast a year and a half ago, something like that, at, at ReformCon. I did a live podcast with him, but oh, I, nice! I'll speak with him again. So the, yeah. the picture, the picture that you're painting from inside the military of you know abortion and people being actively persecuted for not getting the vaccine and you know white privilege training and and uh, all these different things. I don't. I don't quite know how to put it, but it it feels almost heartbreaking. Like this is not the picture of the military that I grew up with, that I saw reflected in movies that I loved. Obviously, movies are fiction, and so there's more complicated realities to it. But certainly, it seems like I don't know. Maybe I'll ask you. Like, do you ever speak to veterans, like say World War II or Vietnam? Maybe Vietnam isn't the best example, but veterans who got out before this current era, and relay your experiences, and they do they say things like, and maybe you've had these conversations, maybe you haven't, but do they say things like, yeah, the military's always been a mess in that way, or they're like, I can't even begin to imagine the scale of mess that you're dealing with. like Is this a continuation of how the military has always been behind the scenes, or is it how it feels, which is like it's way worse than it's ever been?
1: You know, yeah. <sighs> Unfortunately, I don't have too many contacts with with you know con- that older generation, but what I will mm-hmm. say is for very good reason, for the last 20 to 40 years, you know, decades now, the military has been the most trusted institution in America, you know, and I'm sure Hollywood and stuff has a little bit to do with that, but that's sure. not all fake, it's coming, you know, the kernel of truth in it, and that truth was kind of back what we talked about, that whole meritocracy idea, the best the cream of the crop rises to the top. You know, we had Eisenhower and Patton. You know, and, and you know Grant and all these other guys who were tactical. You know, geniuses or leaders of men, courageous. And you know, they rise to the top because they were good at what they do. And when they made a mistake, you own up to it or you, you pay the man. Right? That's we have a saying. You know, if you make a mistake, you pay the man. You do something dumb in training. You know, you got tire drags or something else. You know, where you have to pay to uh, to make make the wrongs right. And that's historically how the military has been. And so, you know, has the military made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. Sure. Um yeah. but they they pay the man for it, whether it's through Congress, public opinion, you know, people getting court-martialed, fired, whatever it is, demoted. You we had that in our culture. That was ingrained in us. We we're men of integrity who stood for truth. Um and over the last definitely 2 years, I would push it back to the Obama administration. More and more that meritocracy has been erased. Um, And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the the trust in the military as an institution is crumbling. And I mean, my dad can speak to it. I can't speak to, you know, very many Vietnam or World War II vets, but my dad was in 27 years. He got out in the Obama administration. He firsthand saw... There's, there was a, a minor purge of field grade officers. So kind of that 06 to Admiral where Obama fired or force retired a lot of senior military leadership. And that's where you get these kind of failures of generals like Lloyd Austin who got promoted, promoted through the ranks even though they had less than stellar careers, but they were just known to be someone who would say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And he got promoted up to a four-star, gets out and he gets put in as Secretary of Defense. We see mm. General Milley, who's a complete failure, um, you know, has a ribbon rack from his collarbone to his belly button. But what has he done in his life? He's lost two wars. And when, you know, President Trump, his senior officer, you know, or senior commander um, was telling him to do things, was actively behind his back calling other foreign nations, trying to um, counteract his boss. And so we see these political animals and these yes men getting promoted through the ranks and it is destroying trust because there's been zero accountability, um, which is historically the antithesis of what the military culture stood for. Um, So again, it's not irreversible. We just need those in power to do something about it. We need Congress to pull in these generals, admirals, and hold their feet to the fire, figure out why they experimented on their troops knowingly, why they blanket denied um, religious accommodations, which is illegal. Um, We need actual hearings to hold these people accountable. And then we need lawyers like Davis Youngs who are courageous enough to take the fight to them, to, to put an end to this. And we can restore trust quickly. And the way you do that is you restore the meritocracy. The best of the best rise to the top. And if you're not good at your job, you get out or you get punished, you know? Um, So it's sad, but it's obvious.
0: Amen to all of that. What can people do to support you personally? Um, follow me on
1: Twitter, read my articles from the Sentinel if you want to, um, you know, I, I'm not doing much right now in the mean, in the way of, you know, actual, you know, monetary or, you know, kind of physical support, but I, you know, I would love people to pray over me, pray over the, the, the documentary. I hope that it, you know, gets, gets eyeballs and people who are, uh, it might motivate and inform people to start their own fights. Um, cause that's what we need. We just need more people. Um, with the knowledge and courage to stand for truth.
0: Amen. Yeah, I purposefully tried to avoid too many discussions of topics that are specifically in the documentary because I wanted to lend context around it so people will go and watch it and support the documentary and spread it. There are some definitely some very powerful and very moving scenes um, that I think everyone should go check out.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for watching it yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. All right, well, this has been this has been wonderful. You want to send people to twitter to find out more about you and what you do
1: yeah sure it's just uh, i think it's asa underscore miller um but i can I, I'll, I'll get with you offline
0: <laughs> cool cool man i'll look it up I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today
1: yeah absolutely thanks for having me
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the renaissance of men podcast visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.